good to be with you today. Uh, I'm Lloyd and my wife Beth, and we have uh, five children. Uh, four of them are married. Uh, one of our daughters lives in Martinsburg, Ohio. Another daughter lives in Shippensburg, uh, Pennsylvania. And we have uh, three sons that are in our area. Two of them are married, and we have a son, Brian, that's at home yet. So just a little bit introduction, seven, seven grandchildren. So um, it's good to be here in Kelowna, Iowa. I think the last time we were here might have been when uh, Tim and Sarah got married. And um, uh, we were, uh, Tim is Beth's brother. So just a little bit uh, Mennonite game here uh, before we get started. We were also with uh, Ellis's in, in Kenya, in Kisumu, Kenya, right by Lake Victoria in 2001 and 2002. We were there together for maybe about 15 months, I think. Um, Ellis's came after us and um, they lived right beside us there in Kisumu. And uh, if you want stories about our pets, uh, I guess you could ask Ellis and he'll give you some stories about our dogs and their cat. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's good to be with you. I do feel a little bit like a fish out of water, although I have uh, appreciated the Sunday school and the devotional and I feel a kinship there. Uh, we've known Eldon's too for a while and uh, we do get together every winter uh, most winters we get together at, at the manor in, in um, or Tanglewood. Is it the manor? The manor in uh, in Ohio. So um, we do have some connections here, and uh, we we definitely have the connection of uh, serving God together, and that's what we uh, we appreciate. And I I could sense the Spirit moving in our midst this morning. Uh, just a little bit of a personal testimony. A while ago, we were um, in our Bible study, we were asked to give a test pers personal testimony. We, we have a church of about uh, 15, 16, 17 families, and some of the families were new, and so we have uh, small groups, and we were asked to give our personal testimonies, and, and um, I was asked to give my personal testimony, and, and something stood out to me in the Sunday school lesson today. One of the brothers said, as we get older, we have more, um, we have more steps that we can look back on. I'm not sure which brother it was. But uh, I, I'm finding that in the autumn of life that um, I have more things to look back on and appreciate and um, I recognize that uh, perhaps time is short. We don't know how much time we have, but uh, there's different phases in life. I think that Love is Shining Through songs sang, uh, talked about the different phases of life. And I would like to think that I'm perhaps in the early autumn phase. Uh, just what we are experiencing right now, is it not? Or early autumn, perhaps that's where I am. We don't know. Maybe I'm in the winter, close to winter than I, than I think. But uh, just a, a, a brief um, testimony of my history. Um, I grew up in Lancaster County. Uh, my parents, I grew up with uh, horse and buggy Amish. We, we left the Amish when, uh, we were, um, when I was nine years old. My parents recognized that my older brother and sister were soon going to be in the youth group, and they didn't appreciate necessarily what was going on in the youth group, so they uh, decided to go to Weavertown Church. So I had a, uh, a good upbringing. My parents are still living, and uh, I appreciate my, my uh, Amish heritage. I really do. Um, something to be thankful for. And um, when I was 13, I accepted Christ as my personal savior. Um, when I was 22, I got married to Beth uh, from a sistering church. Um, I was involved in blacktopping business with my, my dad and my two brothers uh, ever since I was almost off the bottle. My dad started the, started the paving business in 1965, I think it was, two years after I was born. And so that's pretty well all I knew is, is blacktopping. When I was 12 and 13, I worked part-time. 
and um, eventually moved on to being foreman. Uh, around 1999, um, I was becoming a little bit frustrated, a little bit weary. Um, as we do as young men, we have a lot of strength, but as we get older, we recognize that we don't have quite the strength, and so I was asking God for, for a, a change, just something different. I was just weary and um, perhaps frustrated. And uh, God answered my prayer the next Sunday when Norman Kaufman came up to me and tapped me on the shoulder and, uh, in essence, and said that he thinks we'd be a good couple to go to Kenya. And what do you do at those times when you prayed for a sign or something from God and God just gives a clear sign? Wouldn't it be nice if, all, if everything in life would be that easy? We just pray and God gives an answer just like that. But uh, sometimes we have to wait longer. But that was quite... Uh, uh, confirmation that we were supposed to go to Kenya and we served there for 26 months and we had a blessed time there. Um, soon after, a couple years after coming home we had um, I guess things resurfaced again where I was frustrated and worn out and uh, uh, God uh, was working in my life and um, we realized it was time to find another job uh, probably the most difficult time of my life. I remember as a young child, going at about 11 years old, on my 11th birthday, I was at my uncle's and aunt's, and my aunt all of a sudden realized that it was my birthday, and that's sort of a bad situation to be in if you have a 10, 11, 12-year-old, and you don't have anything to give to him. But my aunt Sarah, who has since moved on, gave me a plate, a, a nice plate, um, and it said on the plate, uh, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And she gave me that plate, and with it she gave me a prophetic word, I think you could say. She said, you probably don't understand what this means now as a 10, 11 year old. But she said, you probably will in the future. Perhaps you will in the future. I forget the exact words. And that was almost like a, a prophetic thing for me that my aunt at a young age would give me that plate for an 11 year old for a birthday gift. That's, I guess that's all she had. She didn't have any toys. And uh, God, God uh, as I look back in life, I can say that that was a God moment. That was a God thing and God worked in that. After we moved to um, Western Pennsylvania, after uh, moving on with uh, Byler Paving, uh, me and my son started our own business with the help of God. Um, it was a difficult time, many times, of, of especially that first year of questioning God's uh, working or what God really had, it, were, were we really supposed to be blacktopping? It just seemed, you know, our shop was back back off the main road and we're a new community and people didn't know us and we'd have uh, maybe three maybe four days a week of, of paving at the most and um, I remember um, one night just um, lying there in bed and talking to Beth and wondering if it's really what God had for us because of the financial things trucks were breaking down and things were going wrong and we were trying to save money by buying older trucks and you know that's not always a way to save money but um, Anyhow, later on, we bought some local trucks from uh, a big paving company, 
And uh, their trucks have uh, sayings on the side. I think the drivers get to pick the sayings on the side. Zachary, you've perhaps seen them. Okay, if you're in Westmoreland County, they're just all over the, uh, the road, uh, Tresco trucks. And I think the drivers get to choose what they want to put on the side of their bed. A couple words, just a couple short phrases. Uh, some of them have ho racing horse names. Some of them have, uh, one of them has uh, Make America Great Again. And uh, that was during the Trump era. He put that on his truck. And uh, another one has uh, thank our frontline heroes, he heroes during the coronavirus. And um, the first truck we bought from them, it was after we got rid of or as we were replacing with better trucks, said, here we grow again, here we grow again. So that was just uh, a confirmation to, to us that uh, here we grow again. Uh, the second truck we bought from them, I think it was like number 156, whatever they had numbers on their trucks, said, thanks be to God. And um, the third truck we bought from them uh, didn't quite... Uh, you're probably wondering what it was. Uh, it said, God bless America. So I'm not sure, yeah. The first two really seemed to, to really um, hammer home to me, but the third one, yes, that is true, God bless America. So um, as I look back, as you get older, I think we as older people can look back and, and uh, see God's, God's hand moving in our lives. And if, if your stories aren't as dramatic, that's fine. Just be faithful wherever God has called you. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians 4. We want to look at um, walking worthy today, changing gears a little bit here. Walking worthy. Ephesians 4. I think we'll just uh, stand together for the reading of God's Word and for, for a time here. Ephesians 4, verses 1 to uh, 3, and then 17 to the end. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith Ye are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Verse 17, there, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their minds, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which, is, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the, things which, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You may be seated. And could I request a glass of water uh, by somebody? Uh, thank you. 
uh, walking worthy, walking worthy. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. What is your vocation? I'm sure that each of you has a different vocation, or what do you call your vocation? Is it something you do five days a week? Or is it something that, uh, is it the Christian profession? I think here we see that it is a Christian profession, something that God has called us to. Um, in chapter 1 of Ephesians, uh, uh, in verse 4, Paul says that according as he has chosen us before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame. And also in verse 12, it says that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. So God has called us to holiness, that we should be to the praise, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, and that we should be holy before him. These are two things that God has called us as our Christian vocation, holiness, and that we should be the praise of God. Am I fulfilling the vocation that God has given? Am I a holy person? Am I holy? Am I seeking holiness before God? And am I seeking to praise him, to bring glory to him? I don't know how many of you have ever heard someone say, if that's what a Christian is like, I want no parts of it. I, I mentioned this at Trogger, and there was a bunch of, there was a bunch of heads that went up, uh, people shaking their heads, yes. So you must have the same problem we have here at, at, at uh, Western Pennsylvania. I, I remember at about fifth, fifth grade or so, thank you very much, uh, a, a young uh, classmate, a, a year older than me, and I don't know what happened, but one of the girls did something. I don't know what she did, but he said, well, if that's what a Christian's like, I want no parts of it. And uh, you probably have different stories, too, that you could tell about um, your growing up years. I think maybe it's, um, maybe it's more prevalent in, in that age. Or, or, or one of our men at church gave a testimony afterwards and said that he had, had a, a local businessman uh, talk about uh, Christian business and in a bad way. Paul here is asking us as believers, he's the prisoner of the Lord, that we, he is beseeching us that we walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. God has done so much for us, and he is asking us to live a life that is worthy of being called a Christian. The Apostle Paul had no problem identifying with Jesus Christ. He said he was the prisoner. He said, I therefore, in light of what God has done, in light of what the first three chapters speak about, our great redemption in Christ, that we should be holy and to the praise of his glory, that we should be, to, that we should be holy and that we should be to the praise of his glory. He is asking this in a, a beseeching manner. I beseech you to call near, to invite, to urge, that the Christian life needs to be one where, where we don't just make the initial decision to follow Christ. You know, wouldn't that be easy if... If after we made that initial decision to follow Christ, that things would just go well, and that we wouldn't need to put any effort forth. And we do want to talk about that later on in our text here today, about the things that we need to put on and put off. But it's not just a once and done decision. It's something that we need to be involved in every day, of, of, of seeking to walk worthy of the vocation. In Colossians 1, verses 10 to 11, he says that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering and joyfulness. First Thessalonians 5, uh, 2 verse 12 says that you would walk worthy of God who hath called you in, unto his kingdom and glory. To walk is to tread about, 
to walk at large or to live or how you deport yourself or whom you follow. Uh, it's translated in the King James Version as to go or to be occupied with something, to walk. Worthy is something that is appropriate or becoming after a godly sort. And your vocation, walk worthy of your vocation is your calling. In the NIV it says, I as a prisoner of the Lord then urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. When our walk matches our talk, it brings glory to God. Is that not true? When your walk, or is it your talk matches your walk? Yeah, when your talk, when your walk matches your talk, I get that confused a little bit, but when your, your walk matches your talk, it brings glory to God. When our walk doesn't match our talk, it brings the greatest reproach perhaps, and it gives rise for the heathen to blaspheme. Just like I mentioned, if that's what a Christian's like, I don't want any parts with it. Nathan, when he talked to David, said, Howbeit, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. David's sin with Bathsheba brought great reproach to the name of God. And so it is in our lives if we do not walk worthy of the vocation for which we are called. I have here six things that uh, I see in the text here. Some of them we want to uh, move rather swiftly over, and then the last part we want to uh, take more practical steps was uh, Apostle Paul gave us uh, many practical steps from verses uh, 25 to the end of the chapter. Um, walking worthy requires humility, love, and a desire for peace. Verses 2 and 3, with all lowliness, and meekness with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. When people see Christians that are proud or arrogant or self-sufficient and that do not seek to have peace within the brotherhood, that, re bring, that brings reproach to the name of Christ and is not worthy of being, being, being called Christian with all loneliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in life, forbearing one another in love. The Bible says that pride goeth before destruction. When I do not have a humble spirit before the brothers or before uh, society at large, uh, it is not worthy of the vocation wherewith I am called. When I do not seek to have unity within the brother, Hood. Romans 12 verse 18 says if it be possible as much as lieth in you live peaceably with all men and these are practical applications that, that the scripture is giving us here that, that Paul through the, Holy, through the Holy Spirit is admonishing us that brings things that are worthy of our vocation as much as possible live peaceably with all men I had an incident the other week where I was driving the paving truck in the trailer and I got into the truck and I didn't know I was on a dead end street and thinking about trying to resolve differences and I got to the end of the cul-de-sac at the street and it was about at least a quarter mile long maybe a half a mile long and it's one of those times where you go can my truck make that turn or can it and I didn't really feel like backing a quarter mile out. 
So I thought, and there was an area there right before the cul-de-sac that was all busted up. And I thought, well, this has been done before. So I went that area and had to go in the lawn a little bit and came around the other side and didn't quite make it and had to go in the lawn a little bit. About, you know, that's a township's part. The lawn is there, the townships. But, I, but when I went into there and then I backed up and just like that, a neighbor came out and he was irate. And it was just, he, he had a weed eater there and he put the weed eater in front of my truck and he said, I'm gonna call the cops. And he was, he was just extremely irate. So what do you do? I, call, I called Jamie and I called Dwayne, wondered what I should do. And I just decided to wait it out. And I was going to the next job. I don't have much time to wait. My wife has said already that I don't have the, the gift of patience necessarily. Uh, but, uh, and so I just waited. And about 20 minutes later, the township cop came out and, and uh, he discussed with the lady that it, I hadn't even damaged his lawn, but he was just mad the other neighbors' lawns were getting messed up and the road was getting broken up. And so, until um, it was all said and done, until the cop got out, I guess he had 20 minutes or half an hour to, to calm down a little bit and I'd talked to him some and, and uh, I just sat there uh, on the battery box. And so it was all said and done, he said, um, uh, he, he said, uh, he understood, he said, I'm a truck driver too, but he said, uh, I would actually enjoy sitting down and having a beer with you. It was, it was just, it was, it was just crazy. I don't, I don't know what happened in the meanwhile, but uh, uh, I guess it was a Mennonite dilemma. I guess you could say, but uh, um, I don't, I don't want to be un, unholy or uh, uh, here. But uh, it, it's just something that um, I think there are things that we can do, perhaps, to um, to calm down situations. I know. Um, uh, one of the brothers from Weavertown said that the police already told them if, if you get in an acceleration with somebody, always lower your voice. Always lower your voice. And um, I guess his voice was the whole way up. I, you know, there was only one way to be is lower. But um, and I want to give glory to God for that. There's many times where it has not gone that way for situations that I'm in, where I, I perhaps raised my voice. And um, endeavoring to keep the unity not speaking about the church life, but um, what, what, what is our testimony? If I'm proud, short-fused, ill-tempered, and seek division, I'm not living worthy of the vocation wherewith I'm called. Number two, walking worthy requires exercising your gifts. Verses 12 and 13 for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, it speaks about 11, the, the different, different, different gifts that God has given. God has given each of you a different gift. And as we use that gift, we are walking worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. Walking worthy requires being stable, verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Am I wishy-washy? If I'm wishy-washy, if I'm one way one day, another way another day, then I'm not working worthy. But I'm a child, I'm like a child uh, being tossed to and fro. Appreciated the thoughts there on um, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God compared to how the world is living. Walking worthy requires growing up or becoming stable 
knowing what I believe, knowing what God's word says and, and living by God's word, that we do not become tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. There's a lot of voices out there. And uh, we have a lot of voices to listen to. And it seems that uh, our cell phones, we have, I have, um, there's a lot of things that we could, a lot of good out there. But um, are, we, are we discerning in, in, in what we believe? And, and are we discerning in what we read? And do we know what the Bible says? And are we, help, are we being accountable for those things? Walking worthy uh, manifests itself in a different lifestyle, verses 17 to 21, and speaks about um, that we do not walk as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. So there's supposed to be something different about us. The way we live, the way we look, when the world looks at us, do they just see the world? What do we have to offer as a church? If we're just as the, just as the world is, do we have anything to offer? If they don't see anything. And it can manifest itself not just in clothing, but in our lifestyle and, and our, um, the things we purchase and so like. Um, Paul said, you have, I, I noticed this word, uh, I use the word manifest itself in lifestyle. I don't think that's uh, anywhere in scripture, but uh, um, Zachary, that scripture you read that where Paul says, um, you have fully known my manner of life. I think I would translate very easily to lifestyle. You have known my manner of life. So he's, he's admonishing Timothy that uh, you, have known, you have known my lifestyle, my manner of life. So uh, walking worthy um, requires itself, uh, shows itself in a different lifestyle. He said, you have been taught by Jesus, and um, if you have so learned Christ, and if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Christ. Do I have a different lifestyle? Before we had our understanding darkened, before we were alienated from the life of God through ignorance, before we had a blind heart or a heart that was calloused and we were past feeling. But he says in verse 20, you have not so learned Christ. Are we following the teachings of Christ? Are we living the, the Sermon on the Mount? You know, some say, well, which is the most important, Paul's teachings or the, the, the Sermon on the Mount, Christ's teachings? And I think Paul is here uh, saying that um, that Christ's teachings are what we follow, also the teachings of the epistles, of course. But he does, uh, does refer to the teachings of Christ here. Walking worthy requires a renewed mind. See, my time is slipping on. Renewed mind, verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Walking worthy requires putting off the old man and putting on the new man. And uh, this is something that God is not going to do for you necessarily. Uh, when I give you a coat and tell you to put it on, that's something you have to do. Uh, when I tell you to take the coat off, that's something that, that I have to do. It's something that uh, we have to put effort forth. And it gives various things here that we are, as believers, to put off. We're to put off lying. We're to put off anger. We're not to give the devil an inch. We are to stop stealing. We are not to use bad language, verse 29. Verse 30 says we are not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Verse 31 says we are to put off all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor. These things, that practical things that we can do as believers 
to, to make ourselves, I don't want to say to make ourselves worthy, but to, to reflect to the world what it means to be a Christian. These are things that we can do as, a, as, a, as believers to reflect what it means to be a Christian. Um, I remember in, in Kenya, the lying thing was very prevalent, it seemed. It was hard to tell whether a person was lying. And I, and I, and I thank God for, a, for, and what I'm saying is, these are things that we can not only do as adults, lying and stealing and uh, working and bad speech and anger. These are things that begin at a young age uh, as, as, as parents uh, that, we, that we instill in our children. And I thank God for, for parents who at a young age taught me that it's wrong to steal. Uh, do we appreciate that, that our parents told us these things? These are th very practical things that we can learn as believers and practice as believers that uh, reflect, that, that bring glory to the, to the name of Christ. He gives a reason. Uh, I don't know how many of you have ever had uh, instructions from your parents and you said, why? Did, uh, and what did, your, what did your mom or dad usually say? Uh, you don't have to know why or did they give you a reason? Um, but uh, sometimes it's sort of a whining voice, why? But it's interesting, I think, here in, the, in this text uh, that there's at least three whys. Maybe you can find more. I don't know. Um, why should we not lie one to another? Can somebody give me the answer. There's, it says four. That would be because, right? Because. You talk up in church? You're allowed to talk up now. Why, why shouldn't we lie to each other? Verse 20, 25, I think the answer is there. We are members one of another. Yeah. So um, I'm not sure what that all, all, that, all that means. Maybe, uh, maybe but uh, I think when, when, we, when we have untruth and we don't know what, what is, if somebody is telling us the truth, we soon lose trust. And uh, we soon lose community, a sense of community. Uh, so it's, it's interesting that, that the scripture here gives us, gives us a reason why we should not lie. We're members one of another. We need to work together. It's hard to function as a body when there's lying and, and untruth and uh, maybe even the white lie or, or guile. It's, it's hard to function as a body, as a church, when we uh, have to sift through those kinds of things. Uh, verse 28 has another why. Let him that stool steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the things which, it, which is good. And why should we not steal? It says that he may have to give to him that is needed. We're supposed to get jobs. I think what the scripture is saying. Do something with your hands. Something that's good. And uh, I was just hearing a story from Elam about a man who didn't have hands or arms. And he, was, he used his feet. Uh, Stutzman, I think his name. And uh, yeah, he even used his feet. You know, he didn't have hands, but he was, he was very, a very productive citizen. Um, don't be a, a leech, but be a... Somebody who um, works. And, you know, tomorrow is Labor Day. That's a celebration of labor. I don't know why we don't work on Labor Day. But, but uh, be, be, involved in, be involved in labor. Be involved in something that's, that's productive, something that's good. And, and God, God can bless that. Just the desire, I think just the desire to do something that is good, can, God can lead us to various things in life.
and uh, this plays out into occupation or whatever. Um, just to bless the community, God can give you things to do. And not only for yourself, but so that you can bless others with what God uh, gives you through your labors. Verse 20, 29, the last one, I think I'll close. Um, and grieve not the Holy Spirit, uh, sorry, let no corrupt communication, verse 29, proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. So rather than saying filthy jokes or off-color stories, we should be involved in blessing others, things that are good, and that it, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. I think that's the why there, that it may minister grace to the hearers. And if we are involved in these things, I think we are walking worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. If we are involved in these things. Yes, there's many other things, but uh, I appreciate that uh, the scripture gives us these very practical applications. Verse 32, I'll just close with 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Perhaps that's the final why. I don't know. Depends how you diagram it. Perhaps that's the final why. We are supposed to be involved in things in life that remind people of God and remind people of Christ and his forgiveness for us, that we should be a forgiving people. It's easy to become involved in bitterness. I, I've found that in life. It, it's, there's things that pop up that we can become bitter. But do we have time for bitterness as believers? Um, I'm, not, I'm not just trying to gloss things over. There are times where we have disappointments, where we have uh, questions. But let's not, let's not um, allow ourselves to become involved. Let's not let that bitterness take root. And if it takes root, it comes out in malice, I think we see there in verse 31. It comes out in a, in a, in a physical way. But we are to be kind and to forgive, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven us. Let's stand together for prayer. We thank you, dear Lord, for this day. Thank you for this church. We just ask your particular blessing upon each one in their uh, commitment to you and their uh, witness to the community. We thank you for your word. Thank you for the admonitions you have given us in your word. Thank you for the practical admonitions of of how we are to be walking worthy, what it means to be a Christian, not just a once and done thing, but every day seeking to bring glory to you. Just uh, thank you most of all for the gift of salvation through Christ, for the shed blood on Calvary's tree for our sins, for the, for the resurrection and for the intercessory work of Christ today. Father, we pray that you would forgive us the times where we have gone our own way, where we have been selfish, where we have uh, taken things into our own hands and not uh, allowed your spirit of grace to minister to our hearts. So we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.